All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. Uh, I, I'm going to continue to sort of pay some attention, some audio attention, some aural attention to the farmers. How are my farmers out there? How are my people in the fields? Uh, as some of you may know, if you listened to the last episode, I got an email from a, a, a person that listens to my podcast while uh, they're out there in the fields. So I just want to be inclusive. I want to make sure the farmers feel part of what we're doing here. How's it going there with the soil? What's happening with the heat? Is there flooding? Uh, did you get that uh, equipment fixed? Right, how are you? Do you need uh, Do you need new shoes? Are you dressed properly? How hot is it out there? Just make sure you hydrate while you're working on the uh, the crops. I just want, I really want them to feel welcome. It's important that everybody, no matter what you're doing, when you're listening to this, that you feel like you're part of it. I'm not pandering here because I, I don't know your life. I don't know what you're doing. I know some people are in their cars, some people are at the gym, some people are in their kitchen, some people are, are doing their sketches, some people are working on other things, perhaps a master's thesis. I don't know, but uh, I know that it's a very eclectic and diverse and uh a uh, multi-aged bunch of people. Today on the show, this is actually pretty great. You know, I went and saw the second night of Willie Nelson's 90th birthday concert. And, you know, look, I knew about uh, Lucas Nelson. I knew about, you know, his work with uh, with Neil Young, that he toured with them. I, I knew that he was a musician in his own right and a, and a very respected one. And I started hearing about him a few years ago. Uh, but I was like, really, I, I'm... I'm very interested and, and excited to talk to the offspring or the legacy of, uh, of mythic talents. Uh, and I have in the past, you know, just to, to see if their struggle is, is similar, is just a, a, as human as anybody else's, but also his music is, is great. Uh, and I didn't realize until I talked to him, uh, I, I, I should have known, but I, maybe I kind of knew, but he, he wrote a lot of music for, for a star is born. And he's got a new album coming out with his band, uh, Lucas Nelson and the Promise of the Real. It's called Sticks and Stones. It's a great record. It's really a great record. It's a, my process for musicians is is, is kind of interesting, but I loved seeing him at the uh, at the at the birthday concert because you know he was there with his brother and you know Willie's friends and, and it's just this familial kind of unity of what I think is country music. Uh, because I had the discussion with him because I was thinking about it before I had him on here because I've talked to, well, let's see, who have I talked to? I've talked to Sean Lennon. I've talked to uh, um, Jacob Dylan, uh, I've talked to uh, Duncan Jones, who's David Bowie's son, who uh, is not a musician. But there is this sort of, I don't know if it's a way to it, but there is an acknowledgement of the fact that, you know, when you you, you are the child of somebody who is mythic in their presence in culture and 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 the arts I, I i imagine there's pressure but there's also the idea that you know it's a pretty small club and i don't know i i really started thinking about you know country music you, know, you start thinking about jacob and that you know he's the son of bob dylan and he chooses to go into music and you would think like well that's that's a hell of a choice to make it's a bold choice and you know he he carved a a place out for himself but i imagine there's a certain amount of pressure there you know and, and the same with Sean, with Sean Lennon, you know, he sounds like John Lennon, but, you know, he's also, you know, done his own thing, but there must be some sort of weight to it. 
And those guys are, I don't know what you were, Dylan is Dylan, uh, Lennon is the Beatles and Lennon is Lennon. But, you know, Willie Nelson, if you think about it now that he's 90, is really was at the beginning of, you know, what we would call modern country. He has been in country music for like a long time, decades. Like he wrote songs for Patsy Cline. And then I started thinking about country music and the nature of country music and, and how it sort of works. And the very heart, like I, look, uh, I'm always learning. I, I'm trying to constantly learn. And then after I learn, I'm trying to remember. That's the trickiest thing is, is, uh, is taking the thing in sort of like, I'm going to learn and then I'm going to remember. But I watched Ken Burns' Country Doc, all, all the episodes. And the core of modern country, it seems, was the Carter family, uh, Bill Monroe, um, Jimmy Rogers. And, and then it kind of went from there. But the idea that, you know, the Carter family, I mean, there's at least three or four generations of Cashes and Carters that are still doing music. And it dawned on me that, you know, country music is different in how it, Hank Williams, another one, Hank Williams Jr., Hank Williams III, it, it dawned on me that country music is sort of different in the expectations of, uh, of legacy, of judging, you know, it must be hard to, to sort of like be Sean, and, you know, coming up and being like, well, what's he going to do? He's John Lennon's kid or Jacob. Jesus, his dad's Dylan. How's he going to find a, a place for himself? But I think that with country music, it's almost part of the tradition that the family will continue on and play together and, and work together. And, and I would imagine that the fans of country are like, great, another Nelson. Great, another Cash. I mean, they know who the, the parents are. But there is a continuity to it, and it's not – the judgment is different. Uh, it feels like it's almost part of the tradition. And I talked to Lucas about that, and uh, we, we actually I, – I never know what to expect when I come out here. And the way I, I work with musicians, because I've learned over time that musicians don't really need to talk. You know, the music speaks for itself. Uh, so we don't talk to a ton of musicians. Well, a good many, though. But I listen to, you know, his discography is 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 reasonable. I mean, it's like it's manageable. He's a young guy. So I was able to sort of like, you know, re-engage or engage for the first time with his music from the from the beginning to where he is now and kind of like take it in. And I'll do it the week before or the days before that I, I, I talk to a musician. So it's all fresh in my head. And I listen to the new record. And it's really good. And he does sound a bit like his dad. And his songwriting is similar. Uh, I, I don't know if it's similar, but, you know, Willie Nelson is one of the greatest songwriters ever. Wrote, wrote some of the great songs. And Willie Nelson's got at least 900 records out. So what I usually do is I try to sort of figure out how they fit in, you know, who they are as musicians. And I just load my head up uh, with their music and then just see what happens. Like, I'm not going into this which, with much other than I saw the guy at the uh, 90th birthday party. I was familiar with him, but I didn't know his work that well. And I knew he was Willie Nelson's kid. And that's what I had going in. I didn't, I didn't have any questions. I don't really do questions. And then I just listened to the music and had the experience I'm going to have with the music and opened myself up to it. And, and that's my starting point. And I got to be honest with you, it was a, a, just a, I've never, I don't think I've ever used this word before. It was a terrific 
<laughs> it, it feels weird coming out. What a terrific conversation. I don't think I ever used the word terrific. I know many of you, uh, I, you know, catch on trajectory is I use a uh, manifest, uh, I use, um, yeah, I, there, there are words that some of you notice and you could certainly play a, a, a drinking game, uh, with some of the words that I seem to latch on to and use, but I, I generally use them correctly. Some people got hung up with my pronunciation of the Illuminati, uh, as opposed to Illuminati. Uh, but you know, look, sometimes I stylize. What am I, what can I tell you? But this was a, a terrific conversation and it was a real pleasure to talk to this guy. He's a well-adjusted dude who, 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 who is putting the work in and knows the work at hand and the work is important to him. And uh, it was really a pleasure to talk to Lucas. So that's what's happening today. So I've been thinking about stuff. And now you're, you're also going to find, and, you know, I don't know what to tell you. It's just the way it's going to be. You know, I've been playing music. I've been singing. I've been trying to figure out how to play with others on stage and uh, play and sing at the same time and not choke on my leads uh, on the guitar. So I'm finding now that I think this is the, one of the first musicians who I felt comfortable enough to sort of talk to about the process and not unlike I did with many actors who I respect, uh, I will talk about acting. I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking for some tools, people. I'm looking for tools. I'm looking for tools on, you know, on how to maintain a certain amount of, of confidence and, uh, and courage uh, in my fledgling musical career. Now, obviously I'm not going to have a musical career, but I would like to feel good about something. I would like to feel like I'm having a good time. And I, and I know some of you realize that that's kind of a theme right now with me. And, and I don't know, it's weird, man. I spend, I have a lot of energy uh, in terms of like engaging with stuff. And, and I talk to these people like Lucas and they're, you know, they're writing songs, they're doing the work, they're recording songs, they're practicing. And I think about what I do and what I've done my entire life. And in terms of day to day, you know, where's all my creative energy going? Where is it going? It's, it's sometimes it's obsessive and it's not necessarily creative. And I justify it as being creative. Well, I have to live a life in order to, to sort of talk about a life. Cause that's what I do. I talk about things, but you know, I get obsessed with shit and it's ridiculous. I've really got to figure out how to, you know, somehow manage to stay in the present and stop just sort of worrying and obsessing about fucking everything. I, look, I just recently, I decided finally after living in my new house here, it's not even new anymore, to, you know, that I really could not stand looking at the, the beds, the flower beds in front of my house. There was just like this ragtag bunch of succulents that weren't growing while it was ugly. And I had, you know, I had emptied those beds when I bought the place to, to, to sort of seal up the walls beneath the bed that were possibly leaking into the uh, crawl space downstairs. And I just threw some stuff in there and I've waited like, what is it, four or five years to see if they kind of manifest into something attractive, which they never did. So every day I would walk into my house, this is for years, for years, and just be like, fuck, man. This is ugly. And there were plants that the woman who owned the house before me had, pl had planted in these pots and I have all her pots. And those things were looking, you know, just brown and crispy and unattractive and they were too big for their pots and the roots were strangling. And yet for years, I walked past this stuff 
into my house, literally like, fuck. You know, that's like, it, it annoyed me. And I spent at least four or five years obsessed with the idea that these were, it was just sort of like ugly. And I don't know why in my brain, I didn't find the simplicity of choice to say like, dude, fucking get rid of them. They're plants. They're just, you want to make, you want to put new plants in for fuck's sake, put some new plants in. Years of, of just sort of like, ugh, ugh. And I realize I do that with a lot of things that, you know, I don't know. There's some part of me that must enjoy the ugh as much as, if not more, uh, than the like, ooh, I'm, I'm a ugh guy, I guess. And I'd like to move more into being a, oh, that's nice guy. Why not? It's a simple fix. It's not even expensive. So I had the guy, the gardener guy, he put in some flowers Took out the old fucking crispies and the fucking ugly nothings that I had in the front fence. I well, I told you about the lavender. Put some lavender plants in. Not expensive, easy, in an, in a nice orderly way to maybe have a future of of bushy lavender plants. And now I put some uh, bougainvilleas in the pots and some other pretty flowers. And now, like for the last couple of weeks, I'm walking in, going like, "Hey, look at the flowers! I'm walking through flowers." Here at the end of the world, I'm walking into my house through flowers, and it's so nice. But now, because we switched the pots, you know, the, you know, you replant these plants, and it's been very hot here. The bougainvilleas are not like they're not quite taking. One of them looks a little crispy, but it looks like it might make it. So now I'm come, you know, fairly thoroughly obsessed with the idea that this bougainvillea, that the one that I put in there, is is having a hard time. Right. It's it's not going to make it. And so now, uh, you know, I'm focusing in on like, oh, but what's the matter with this one? How long is that going to go on for? And again, it's just a plant. I don't have to be totally empathetic to a plant. If that bougainvillea doesn't fucking work out, I can try another one. But no, like I'm locked into this one's survival and I'm obsessing about it. And that's where my fucking creative energy is going. What is that? It's fucking ridiculous. But look, uh, there, there's always time for change. Right. Isn't there? So Lucas Nelson is here, and I very much enjoyed talking to him. Uh, the new album uh, from uh, Lucas Nelson and the Promise of the Real Sticks and Stones comes out this Friday, July 14th, and this is me and uh, Lucas uh, hammering it out. Yeah, the one thing that I think bands generally have a problem with is when they start talking in between songs, people are totally. like, where's this going to go? Yeah, and, and it's an art form sure. to be able to to have good banter. I saw yeah. saw Neil Young last night. I went and just... Over at that at, little... At, at the Ford, yeah. Oh, he did another night there? He did four nights there, and I, I just didn't, I didn't even know he was playing. I just got into town, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was what great. Do you, what, do you text him and go, what's up? Well, um... Because you played with him for a while. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But it, it was, uh, no, it was uh, my agent, Brian yeah. Greenbaum. He said, hey, Neil's playing. You want to be my plus one? And yeah. I said, well, sure. And so I went down there and we wa- we sat and we watched him and he played great. I yeah. love him seeing him solo. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he his banter on stage was great. He was walking around and making jokes and he just seemed like he was in a good spirit. And I think... Depending on the type of show, it's it's a there's a balance between talking too much and giving your whole life story, and yeah. Then, and then there's there's a then you gotta like, you know. Then I get annoyed. Yeah. I'm watching a show and I'm like, well, I mean, there's now there's this whole trend with some of these older guys. 
you know, who still want to get out there and, and do the thing. Like, you know, Springsteen. Springsteen's a good example. And I think the the whole idea of the one-person show was brought about by him doing a book tour. Like, because, sure. like, he wrote that book, and I went out to his house to interview him. And it was kind of interesting because, you know, he's one of those guys whose public-facing personality is sort of, hey, man, me and the guys are going to hang out, and we're going to. Right. But, you know, you know, him in real life, he's, like, dark, <laughs> you know, hard on himself. Yeah. And I think he found some middle zone where he realized that he could tell personal stories and like he that, could be, that. He could be vulnerable. Yeah, and that show was incredibly yeah. successful. But right. that is more in line with what you're talking about. Like, yeah. there's a full spectrum entertainer there. Yeah, for sure. Where like yeah. you know, I'm going to talk a little bit, and I'm going to do. And people expected that. They yeah. wanted it. Yeah, I I think it's cool depending on honestly the the personality. Sure. I mean, sometimes I, you know, I, there's certain levels of conceit yeah. that I can see in some people where they just you think I care about what you're talking about right now no I don't care <laughs> nobody cares no. shut up and play the yeah, guitar yeah but but at the same time there's there's a great sort of sh- two or three line banter yeah between if you nail it. songs yeah jokes it's that like you jokes. can say it take sure. yeah you just say a few little one liners like neil i think what one point he's like uh Oh yeah, all these instruments are for sale at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to laugh at that because he was. I think he's happier, and like you can sort of tell. Like I, I don't know. I interviewed him years ago, and it was started off kind of dicey, but then I got him loose, and he was good. You know, but I, I think like he strikes me as somebody who is fundamentally happier than he's ever been in his life. Yeah. You know, I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, it must have something to do with having a, a, enough of a stash of old recordings to release an album like twice a year and then still be doing new stuff. But I think he's got a new relationship. I don't know. It's just something lit him up yeah. in the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. I, you can definitely feel it. And, uh, well, all of us, all musicians, I think are a little giddy to be getting back out again. Oh, after COVID. After yeah. I guess COVID, that's true. You know, but it, to speak to the thing also, like I remember a joke Gordon Lightfoot told on stage when I saw them with my parents. Gordon was one of the records I picked this morning. Really? Yeah, Which yeah. one? Uh, the one with Edmund Fitzgerald on Oh, yeah. It. Uh, I can't remember what it was called exactly. I, I, but, uh, but yeah, it was the only one they had, actually. It was one, like, one I think, one of the records. That's a crazy... I was talking about that song with my girlfriend about yeah. how, like, it's an insane that that song was such a huge hit. Yeah. It's like a 20-minute folk ballad. It's an epic folk ballad, yeah. It's, I got to hang with Gordon one time. I met yeah. him. And uh, and I was doing uh, stagecoach. He was doing sca- stagecoach, and and we played right before him. What stagecoach? Stagecoach is uh, the country version of Coachella. Oh, okay, okay. So All it's right, out yeah. in you know Indio. Yeah. And, and he played right after us, and he was so sweet. He brought me back after our set, and he and and he was he was really into like the kind of the psychedelic stuff we'd been doing. Yeah. Mixing this the country with the psychedelic sure. and. Uh, and I, 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 you know, he's a '60s guy, sure, man. obviously. So, yeah. So, you know, uh, and it was so cool. He was so humble, and and you could sense a gravitas just in terms yeah, of his. Yeah. Never like definitely. He's like your old man. I mean, never stopped. He's always yeah. on the road. Yeah. And you know, and he like I, I remember the joke though. He was talking about how because uh, it's such a a a, a well timed joke. He said, "I come from a big family." Mm-hmm. Have a lot of brothers and sisters because my mother was hard, hard hard of hearing, and he says my my father would say, "So you want to go to sleep or what?" And my <laughs> mother would go, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> like 
like I remember the fucking <laughs> show. Good. It's good. Yeah. And I must have been like in seventh grade or oh, something, man. but I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a, he's an amazing example of this type of songwriter where I don't know his full catalog, but if he had only written If You Could Read My Mind, yeah. you'd be like, that would have been enough in a way. Like, how do you, there are some guys that write songs where you're like, where did the fuck did that come from? Yeah. Your dad does it. Oh, yeah. You do it. Thank you. That's yeah. Very kind of you to say, but I, you know, I mean, I, I sense uh, that that songwriting comes from reading. It comes from listening to other songwriters. Yeah. And, but I think you really have to be uh, someone who loves the English language. Yeah. You don't have to love it in terms of be well versed in it necessarily. Yeah. But you gotta love. You gotta love putting words together in a in a. I like my, my personal preference is the less is more approach. Yeah. Where dad is very, you know, the country music, short story, yeah. clever twist. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Where, where, you know, Hello Walls is a great example of yeah. that, you know. Uh, well, that's the other thing about country music in terms of what we were talking about before is they do tell stories. Yes, but in a very quick and clever way. Yeah. You know, like, there's there's something, you know, there's something, is something mic drop-esque if, about saying that one line that just oh, ties dear. it all together and that's a theme yeah you think oh yeah in country music in some rock and roll music yeah not in all of it yeah you know i mean some choruses are just mic drop lines in themselves you know well i listened to like i tried to play the other night because i i've been playing with some guys uh you know uh i i finally did that later in my life to after playing guitar my whole life i'm like well i should play with people yeah so i've been doing it and it's very scary to me still but Good. that's great yeah it's it's it, it's okay I, i'm pretty hard on myself i'm not having a great time <laughs> because uh you know i still you, you're taking the wrong drugs then i think yeah maybe. well i'm not taking any <laughs> oh well that helps <laughs> <laughs> yeah i gotta get there's back on the drugs yeah <laughs> no i'm just kidding but uh but no but because like there's something about you know, just logging the hours yeah. about getting comfortable because the sound changes when you're in a room, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, you get used to the guys you're playing with. That sort of happened. Yeah. But I still get a little uptight, you know, trying to remember the words because I'm not inherently a guy that practices with guys all the time. Mm -hmm. And I choke up a little bit on the guitar because I know I can play. But somehow when I'm playing live with the dudes, I'm like, why? Why can't I just, you know, take it easy? Do you rehearse? We rehearse, but not enough. Like they're all professional musicians, so yeah. they're like, "We'll just uh, we're we're doing covers mostly, yeah. almost all, all all covers, and we'll do a, a couple rehearsals before the gig." And they'll be like, "Let's not over rehearse." And I'm like, "I don't play with people." Where do you guys rehearse? Where do you play? Where do you play? Largo. And Lar is that a Largo is a club? Uh, yeah, it's a theater. It's a small theater that okay. you know, they run music over there. It's and you do covers, and you just have a good time. Yeah, we tried to, but I yeah. take it like in singing is like a lot for me. But I think if the more like I noticed this last time mm -hmm. that we locked in pretty good on a couple of tunes and, you yeah. know, I only fucked up one and I was more confident singing. So like it's it's changing. You know what the great thing about singing is? is yeah. it, and the great thing about what you're saying is if you know you sound bad. Yeah. You're ahead of the game. <laughs> and I'm telling you, this is the truth. If you can tell. Yeah. If you listen to a recording of yourself, you're yeah. like, oh my God, I yeah. hate that. Wow, I'm out here. I'm out there. Yeah. That's flat. That's sharp. Yeah. You can, if you can tell and sense, then you're 90% there. Yeah. And the rest is just training your throat to match your ear. 
Yeah. You know, and the rest is just, it's just training it. Because if you've got the Practice. ear to tell what sounds good. Yeah. Some people don't have that and they're screwed. Really? Well, because if you, if you think you sound good and you don't, you're yeah. screwed. <laughs> yeah. Because there's no reference. You know right. But I mean? so much of it comes from doing it. Yeah. Like, uh, we, I, well, the, what I was going to say, like speaking to, you know, clever turns and country songs. Yeah. Like, I decided for whatever reason to uh, to try to do a cover of uh, uh, He Stopped Loving Her Today. Yes. What a great song. Oh, my God. The, like, that song makes me cry every time. The turn yeah. in that song is crazy. And, and it's, that is actually, I think, 60% melody. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, trying to sing that thing. And, you yeah. know, only George can really sing it. I don't even know if there's that many covers of the thing. The, the the delivery and the melody of that song are what I think gives it its gravitas. It's, right. Because there's weight, a, the, those know. subtle shifts, yeah. you know, from the one to the four. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, and then he, he goes. loving her today. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like, oh, that's just you just feel that. Yeah. You know, you just say he stopped loving her today. You don't feel it, but when you bring it down, you bring it. He stopped loving her today. Yeah. Oh my God. You yeah. Know, like, and it just settles, and then it starts, and then the band yeah. comes in, and it's just oh man, the strings and the yeah. You know, uh, we didn't have any of that, but I, well, I, we chose to just like almost do. I just did a little bit of guitar, and then we don't come in with the other guitar, yeah. the second verse, and then I'm playing through this, yeah. this old deluxe with that. With a well, I was using a, a Les Paul humbucker. You got a nice old deluxe, but oh, look at like, that! Well, yeah. it, before they were bigger, those that's old. like a fifty-three. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those sound good though. Yeah, yeah is yeah. that a Les Paul there? Yeah, it's a junior. I, that's my guitar choice. Now you used to play I strats, a, though, right? I play both, but I have a Les Paul Junior from fifty-six that I've had for about eight years now that I got. Uh, uh, and I, it's been my baby. So great setup there. That's God, you know. I'm yeah. Well, you don't need anything else. No. Yeah. No. But but the the thing was is like so I got no strings and I'm just yeah. doing like a, like almost like a like anything you play through these kind of amps are going to sound kind of like Neil Young. Totally. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, that's the that's thing. His, he's got seven of them on stage. <laughs> the funny thing about him is he doesn't know if they're going to make it. Yeah. Like, does he have one guy that's job is only to manage that mess of things that he's got? He's got a couple of guys, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, it's, uh, yes. Uh, but, but the, the melody, of, the melody yeah. and the clever twist and all that, that makes a good song. And like, uh, another one I, I always think about that has a great mic drop type of, uh, of element to his songs is Tom Petty because, oh yeah, Tom, you know, you got lucky when I found you. you know? Yeah. Good love is hard to find. Good love is yeah. you got lucky, babe, when I found you. Yeah. Mic drop, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is just like. Great. The whole song could be that. And you'd yeah. be like, okay, yeah. that's amazing. He yeah. wrote like uh, so many, like the the catalog of that guy. It's crazy when you look at the whole thing. Yeah. He's a, an amazing songwriter. and a, But in the sense that he can really, I like his simplicity and yeah. his lyrics. Yeah. Uh, I hear a lot of music now where. I think it works in hip hop format, but where there's a lot of lyrics. Yeah, there's a, I can't. I, it's just a lot of. Sometimes in newer music, I hear it's just a run on. I lyric. can't follow it. Yeah, like I, my brain was. I'm more of a, yeah. a, a riff guy. Yeah. So the the well, the, yeah. wor the words kind of are secondary for me usually. Like I like the I like the the sound of the music. Yeah, for me. The words aren't secondary. For me, the words are so important that I don't want 
it to get lost in trying to cram so many words in. The only way it works for me is in hip hop because I think hip hop is a completely unique art form in rap. Like for me, the the greatest the greatest and most creative art that's come from the the culture, yeah, Western culture yeah. recently is freestyle rap. Yeah, to be able to come up with intelligent lyrics and mind-blowingly yeah. poignant yeah. lyrics yeah. on the spot like yeah. that in a in a rapid fire yeah. i mean that is incredible so in that format i like the the a lot of lyrics together but as a songwriter personally uh, you know a lot of the the new pop is like and all that is lyrics yeah right yeah whereas you know the stuff that I love is he stopped loving her. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's totally. it's 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 all you got to do is do that one thing, and it's just like ah, you know, yeah. and you hear yeah. it, and and so now I'm I'm as a songwriter, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to incorporate what I love into a fresh new sound, and that's you know that's I guess what anyone can always do. I I don't I'm actually not. You know, uh, I probably lose quite a large audience in the sense that I'm not uh, an equipment guy. Yeah. I, I, you know, personally, I feel like it's mostly in the, in the human. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, uh, I, I know, like that. Yeah. And I, I'm just trying my best to be proficient at my instrument. And yeah. then, and then what comes secondary is making sure that the conduit for, for what I'm putting out is quality. Right. But I'm not necessarily looking for the new gizmos and gadgets. Yeah, and I, I, it's exhausting. Know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. It takes me away from a lot of times. Um, I think that just being able to go up, even just alone acoustic, yeah, on stage, yeah, is is uh, and 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 capture an audience. Yeah, if you can't do that. Uh, or if I can't do that, I don't feel like I'm I'm quite up to where I'd like to be. Yeah, and you do it. And I, like I was at uh, the second night of the birthday party over at the bowl. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, and, what a beautiful show that was. That was incredible. That was, and first of all, Hollywood Bowl is what an amazing yeah sounding place. It must have been crazy back there. You know, it every I was struck by. Uh, I was just I just. Talk to because Beck was at the Neil show last night, and Beck was at that show yeah. as well. Um, and we, he was saying, it's one time that I never left sides because they had a screen and uh, monitors, which usually they don't have side stage, and it's a bad thing. But you got were you guys taping it for something? Yeah, it it got released in theaters recently. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, yeah, that's right. My my dad's wife is like the biggest fan of your old man's. <clears throat> yeah. It's crazy. She's got like a, literally has like a quilt on her bed made out of Willie t-shirts. Oh, <laughs> that's sweet. That's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a few other country performers yeah. in there, but she's a she's a huge fan. Yeah. But what what what, what the great thing about yeah. it was that the backstage was everybody was watching everybody else play. And it was like, you know, you, you didn't want to miss one performance. And there were 30-something artists, and every one of them was there singing, doing their best on their own time. Just the, I mean, it, for me, it was emotional just because it's, it's so cool to see people celebrate Dad yeah. while he's around. Yeah. 
it's one thing to have a funeral. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? And you're gone and nobody, right. you know, you uh, you know. Did he have a good time? He had an amazing time. And it, I think it, it was a shot in the arm for, you know, hopefully a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It brings him into a place where he wants to keep going. He's yeah. 90, but he's still going strong and playing a lot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and he's an amazing, he's an amazing, inspiring character that, uh, and human that, yeah. that I love. You know? Really human. Yeah. But, but to speak to your point was like, you know, I'm not a Dave Matthews guy. It's not based in anything reasonable. But to speak to the point about owning a stage and, and, and bringing people in, when he did that song, I don't even remember which song he covered, but it was fucking great. He just got out there with that guitar. Yeah. And you're like, Rump. yeah. And same with uh, Rodney. Rodney Kyle. Crowley. Holy shit. Yeah, he's an amazing songwriter. He's written. Like, I, like, I, you know, maybe cry. I was crying half the time during that goddamn show. It was a, an emotional show, yeah. It was, Chris Christopherson. They that got was him. my favorite part. That, wow. So with Chris, so, Chris and Nora together. Was, which he's just sort of leading him. And he, but he was on it. Yeah, and, he was. And to be able to do that in his, in, and... To me, Chris is Chris is up there in my top echelon of musicians and songwriters, yeah. and also people, yeah, because he's as humble as it gets, yeah, um, and cool. Like he's that guy's as cool as Harrison Ford, you yeah. Know, but he's a musician, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's you know he's uh, he's like you know. Everybody looks up to him as a songwriter. Even Bob Dylan thinks he's a great songwriter. Yeah. Like he looks, you know, I mean, this is just a, a fascinating. And the fact that he was able to, to pull himself and steal himself into the moment like yeah. that was, uh, look, I mean, I could go on and on. There were 50 artists on that stage. I know. Crazy. Everything was And it great. went smooth. Well, totally. You know, and yeah. it was like, uh, I had this, this no, like you were, you played with a lot of people yeah. on that stage. Sure. But uh, there was something like, and in terms of generations, like, and I don't know if I if I read it correctly, but but it seemed like when Billy Strings came out there mm -hmm. and sat next to your dad, and you were on the other side, I think, didn't you? Th the three you do something? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there was like there was some, like because he, you know, not unlike you, but not, but in terms of a more old timey way, you know, he represents something that he's made new again. That sure. was yeah. around since the beginning of country, right? Yeah. And I felt like there was a moment where I sensed that your dad kind of recognized that. Sure. Right? Uh, I mean, you know, Billy Strings is yeah. an amazing artist. Uh, he's brought bluegrass back in, yeah. in a huge way. I mean, he was selling out the Bridgestone Amphitheater in Nashville as a bluegrass act. Right. And that hasn't happened in a long time. Wild, right? It's, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's nice to be... and and. Well, and bluegrass, bluegrass is, is is big right now. I mean, you is just, it? Just, yeah, because it's um, yeah, it's big in 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 a lot of places. But not unlike you, and uh, the generation that you represent, and also the nature of the music. Like you know, Billy, you know, came up playing Sabbath. You know, you probably came up playing Hendrix. I mean, there was a different, you know, you came up in this other zone, right? I came up playing. Yes, Hendrix was was a huge influence to me. Yeah. Um, Stevie Ray, yeah, being from Austin myself, yeah, you know, uh, Stevie Ray, I, I resonated with him. Yeah, did you see him? No, he died when I was two years old. Really, uh, it's been that long. Yeah, he died in 1990, and I was born in '88. So '88. Yeah, so I'm 34. That's crazy. Now, are you of like does does your dad have another generation of kids? 
Oh yeah, yeah. I'm uh, yeah. Oh yes, he does. Yes, yes. I I have eight siblings. Yeah. Uh, half, you know, my yeah. my brother is a younger brother. My younger brother was there. What, Micah? Micah, that, yeah. he played with Daniel Lenoir. Yeah, that yeah, that's right, yeah. But uh, he's, a, a, he's a year year and a half younger than me, um, so we're pretty close. Right. And that's the only, we're the only two, my mother and my father. Yeah. And then um, we, I have like, you know, five or six other sisters. Oh, yeah? Sisters. I had a brother who passed away yeah. a, a long time ago, and then... Uh, but yeah, he, you know, he's been married a few times. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but are any of them in music? Yeah, well, everybody is in a, in their own way. Yeah. You know, uh, we all we all <laughs> sing and la laugh and play together. Yeah. Uh, Paula uh, has a radio show actually on Sirius. Paula, my my sister. Uh, Amy has a great band called Folk Uke. Yeah. Uh, they do. Uh, Oh man, they have funny like they 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 play ukulele and guitar and they yeah. have really sweet harmonies. Uh -huh. These really cute girls yeah, yeah. and they play sweet harmonies, but they're all like, "Motherfucker got fucked up because he got in the way," you know, like really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. really sweet. But yeah. speaking of that though, like because I was kind of thinking about you know legacy and about you know country in general, it seems like this new record, and you know I might be wrong, mm -hmm. and you know, and obviously you're evolving as a songwriter, and and you are doing what you're doing, which is integrating, you know, what you came up with and what you, you know, kind of represent as a person. But I think it seems to me that the newest record is the most country record. Oh, yeah, by far. <laughs> it's, it's also the most fun I've ever had. Really? Playing playing these songs. Because my, my problem was yeah. the last record I did was called A Few Stars Apart. And yeah. I wrote it during the pandemic. And I was yeah. sitting there writing about really in like a heavy place you right know, just sure. like we're gonna be okay yeah it's all good i hope yeah you know yeah. like you know let's let humanity continue i mean there was really a point in time where we were nobody knew yeah now everybody's got their own opinions but right this there was a certain point in time where the world stopped right and it was like is it gonna keep going <laughs> you know so i'm writing a lot of heavy songs and yeah. there are a lot of times they're like introspective songwriting songs yeah, right. and and then when we finally could get back out, I had all these songs, but I could tell that the audience wanted to just be jubilant right. and celebrate being back yeah. and dance and play. Yeah. And they didn't want to, you know, half of them didn't want to wear masks, half of them did, you know, yeah. but, but they wanted to celebrate human connection again. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, and I didn't have, I had to go back into my old repertoire where where there were more upbeat stuff i, yeah. I have in order to comp in, to, in order to, to to make that happen for them I, did, I only played two or three songs from a few stars apart yeah so during that tour i wrote i wrote a lot of upbeat songs yeah that were just fun and sing-alongable and danceable yeah and some poignant songs and some slower but mostly just i want to have a good ass time playing country music yeah and have a party so that when I go out there, we're going to have a good ass time playing country music yeah. at a party. And that's really what it's all about. You know, the, the, the Billy Joe Shaver, uh, as a road goes on forever and the party never ends. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That's, so that was sort of what Sticks and Stones was. That's sort of... Sticks and Stones. Well, it, it's, it's autobiographical, really, because it starts off in my big party days from when I first started on the road. And all those songs are party songs from the beginning of, this, right. of that record. Yeah. And then it sort of morphs into where I'm at now, which is a more balanced sort of place. Yeah, yeah I could see that. Like, you know, because there's, there's two different, 
kind of relationship songs on there, like, like Let's Not Be Close Friends for One Night. What was that song? Yeah, let, Let's Pretend We're, we're More not, Than Friends. Yeah. Yeah, that and, with, with Lainey Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was and then you arc into that other one about, like, uh, I'd be lying if... I, yes, lying if I said I didn't wish that I was lying here with you. Yeah. Yeah, which is, you know, that's that's when you start realizing, that's when that character starts realizing, oh, well, you know what? Maybe it's better to... Maybe it's some sort of settled life is better. Sure. And yeah. like, and it, what's interesting to me, though, is also that, because I was thinking about legacy, and I was thinking, because you know, I've talked to, I've talked to Sean Lennon. Yeah. Uh, I've talked to Jacob Dylan. Sure. I've talked to uh, uh, Duncan Jones, who's not a musician, but he's- I don't know him. He's yeah. David Bowie's son. Oh, cool. Filmmaker. Oh, right on. But, you know, what's interesting is that, uh, you know, with these legends- you know, the, one of them, I don't remember who it said, might have been Duncan, you know, about, you know, the the, the offspring of, of mythic uh, artists is a pretty small club. Do you, you know what I mean? In a way. Sure. But but what I was noticing about, like, you know, thinking about Jacob and also thinking about Sean, who also, who, you sound a bit like Willie. Sure. And Sean sounds a bit like John. Yeah, and yeah. it's just not, it's not, it right. just happens. It's genetic. Yeah. You, yeah. But the choice to to go into the business with those kind of parents, it, it it must be on some level, there has to be some sort of like, do I really want to do this? But I think it's less in country because it's actually a tradition in country. Sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the, the basis of modern country was based on the Carter family. The Carter family. And there's like a legacy Hank, all the way through. Hank, and Hank, one, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, there's not a stigma to it. Like, no. I, I think like, you know, when Jacob went out there, he's like, Oh my God. You're gonna. What are you gonna do? Your dad's Bob Dylan, but yeah, you know, he did pretty for, well. For yeah, he did. He wrote good songs. Yeah, but with 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 country music, if you're <laughs> dug in, there's a continuity to it. I, I I doubt that in the same way people are like, you know, how's that guy gonna compare to his dad? Because you just become part of a tradition in a way. Sure. I mean, the thing about it, the comparison is mm. to me, and is I'll just stand by it. I love my dad yeah. with all my heart yeah. as a person. Yeah. And that I think I'm lucky in. Right. Because a lot of people that I know who grew up in that way yeah. have complicated relationships right. with their families. Mm -hmm. uh, in Not just in as a musician, but as a celebrity, whatever, you know, right. a, fame is a weird thing. Sure. Uh, but what I was taught by him from from what I observed from him is that he followed his heart, followed his dream. He really just put his head down and worked hard his whole life through failure after failure after failure. So I can't really consider my situation anything but great. Right. And I just have to, if I want to play music for a living, all I, all I need to do is I, I don't, I can't listen to anyone if anyone wants to compare me, that's fine. But what my job is, is to focus on the music, focus on making, writing the best songs, focus on performing well, on, like I said, capturing an audience, being an entertainer. I mean, the only thing that I have that gives me a sense of meaning and purpose in life is this thing that I can do pretty well. And I, I can't waste my time thinking about whether people, how people compare me with anybody whether it be my dad or anyone else that's come along. Yeah. I have to just be the best I can be and 
and focus and focus and work hard. And I don't really have to, I have time to think about those things. But it's, but also like, I, I assume aside from that, which is, you know, a, a, a great disposition to have in, in relation to it's that. It's the only way to do it. Is that you did come up in an environment where, you know, your, your proximity to one of the greatest songwriters of all time uh, is down the hall. Totally. So I had a, a well, <laughs> and I think that I got lucky that music chose me. Is the yeah. way I look oh, at right. it. Oh, right, because you could have done anything. I could have done anything. I don't need this shit. I'm going to well, go, yeah. I, well, I could have done many things, yeah. but but I got lucky that I got the bug because it's something I can do forever. Yeah. It's something that I can get closer to my family with. Yeah. Something I can relate to my dad with in a deeper level than I think that if I had chosen any other. I mean, I think, honestly, that's the one reason I chose it, and it chose me, is because when I was a kid- Yeah. He would leave all the time. Yeah. And I missed him. Yeah. And I, you know, because he's a kind, compassionate, loving father. It's yeah. not like, you know, when he's home, he's, well, I, you know, my mom would complain he was Disney dad because, yeah. you know, it's, it's, you know, and I'm sure a lot of parents have the same situation. What does that mean? What, he, he, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't around enough to be the disciplinarian. My right. mom had oh, to, right, right, to right, pick sure. that role. So my <laughs> yeah, dad was just. Yeah. So fun, yeah. so loving, right. so affectionate, right. and wise, and, co and 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 competent as a as a dad in terms of like you know he set a good example about you know how to treat others and things. Yeah. And I was always able to watch that, but yeah, well you know it's it's funny because I just I wanted to be closer to him, and yeah. music was my way to 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 connect with him. Did he show you how to play guitar? Yeah. 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 When I was a little young, young kid, the first thing he taught me was a Django Reinhardt song. That's starting out pretty yeah. complex. Yeah. Well, he said, if you can play all these chords yeah. and you can get this down, then you can play anything. Yeah. And so I, I you know, I started off with a pretty complicated. Well, that's yeah. a, one of the things that I don't know that people, you, you know, think first to appreciate him for, but he's like a great guitar player. He's not, he's a unique guitar player and he's great in a Mozart level way. I mean, but in he terms plays of his, jazz you know, guitar. Yes. He plays he, Nora Jones. I think his favorite compliment he's ever got yeah. was that, um, Nora Jones said that he was like Django Reinhardt with one finger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of two. <laughs> right. Yeah, because Django only had two. But, uh, so what a great, Nora's amazing. She's a, yeah, yeah. She, oh, she, so that you love that one, huh? Oh, man. Yeah. So, like, so you're coming up and he's show. so that was the way you could connect with, with him. Yeah. But, like, who, at that time, when you were a child, who was still around, you know, of those guys that he would tour with? Of Ray the, Charles. Uh, you so know. you remember his, you oh, know, yeah. hanging out Ray, with them? Clapton, Bob Dylan. Uh, they would come to the house. Merle, Merle was his best friend. Leon Russell, you know. They would be around the house always. Yes. Oh, really? Coming in and out of the bus when we'd be on the road. <laughs> you know, uh, he'd be playing chess with Ray Charles. He said famously, he said uh, that Ray would force him to play in the dark. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And and Dad's funny. See. Uh, speaking of like char charisma on stage, yeah. dad was a Bob Wills guy. So Bo dad really, his stage presence was. A band leader. Yeah. And I'm playing song after song and yeah. I'm barely speaking. Yeah. But it's, he's also like, you know, I think few people realize that the guy, like someone like him, and I noticed it at the 90th, that, you know, everybody's looking to him for the cue. 
You know, like he's no. <laughs> it's not a great idea, but yes, yes. I mean, but that he, the the best thing to do when playing with Dad yeah. is to keep the beat, yeah, and don't follow him because he's he is a jazz musician, yeah, and so he <laughs> comes in and out and behind, right. And it's perfect the yeah. way he does it, but right. if you don't if you don't stay steady behind it, right, okay, and, and play with the rest of the band, right, uh, then you're going to be following. Uh, you're not going to know where you're, you're going to go. Know where the hell you are? <laughs> yeah. But I, I just picture Bob Wills as as sort of this, not only an entertainer but a song to song guy. But like you know, he was that was a big operation he had. Yeah, and and he was a band leader, but yeah. but. The thing about it is, is that he didn't speak a lot, right? And and that in and going back to what we we're talking about before, yeah. and I think Dad with Dad has probably a good idea because he has a lot of dirty jokes. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure a lot of them would fly, would fly necessarily. Yeah, you know, his jokes would probably be uh, you know met with with a certain level of uh, uh, what's he talking about? Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's also like part of what I was talking about earlier about the mystique of a musician that the less your father talks, the more people have this relationship with their idea of him and the relationship with the songs. Yeah. Right. Well, and he does tell jokes and he's got an offstage personality. Everybody knows and loves. You yeah. Know? yeah, and yeah. He's done films and things like that. But, and I like, I, you know, I learned this. I'm actually trying to, kind of find my own way with this a little more uh, uh, where I've re recently been, I have been sort of saying a few things just to, kind yeah. of, just to kind of connect a little more with sure. the audience, um, especially while people are tuning up and stuff, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, but, you know, I do, I do appreciate the, the, the professionalism that comes with, you know, making an entire show with, as little speaking as yeah. music does the speaking, right? And that's really what I what I do too. I right? Mean, I, I've I've taken that from him. And, yeah. And, and I think that the the lyrics I I speak best with my lyrics and with my music. And right. You know. And yeah. Yeah. You know. When you're growing up, are you watching him play with people? Like, yeah. Uh, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, was Merle at the house a lot? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah. Merle Merle and him were very close. That was a that relationship. I think him Leon. Uh, Billy Joe Shaver. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's Wayland. Wayland, of course. Wayland, Johnny Cash. Yeah. Chris. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, really, the list goes on. He he was really close friends with a lot of good people. Yeah. And he, I mean, he he had time with them. You know, what I mean, sure. he had years and years and decades of before all of these guys came up in the same time, and they all sort of made it. Like and, when he left Nashville. That, yeah. And was working, doing those records with Waylon, you know, those are like that, that seemed to be the big shift for both of them. And the camaraderie that comes with having gone through that together and yeah. having, you know, having sort of paved their own way. Yeah. And feeling, yeah. you know, hot on themselves about sure. it. When, yeah. And, and rightly so. I think they, they you know, they, cause they proved, they proved that whole system wrong. Yeah. That they could, that, you know, they say, well, this is the way country music is supposed to be. Right. And then they say, "Well, no, we're going to go and we're going to we're going to go down to Austin and and, yeah. and connect with this whole other group of people that likes all kinds of music, but loves country music and loves the fact that it has its influences in jazz and the blues and the yeah. you know, and, and then some of the psychedelic stuff started the, to happen. Yeah, exactly. Because I've got those. I got three um, Earl Scruggs review records, mm -hmm. and that's when he's got his kids on there." Yeah. Who were, you know, doing a different thing kind of. Yeah. 
It's yeah. kind of wild. Doug Somm was doing a lot back He's then. He's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Those yeah. guys were, you know, were Austin cats. You yeah, know? yeah. And I think, is he still around or he just... I can't remember. I you think he's all. I think he's around. I'm not sure. I didn't. You know. Yeah. It's uh, I, if he's not, I'm. Do you know Alejandro? Escovedo. Yeah. Yes, I I don't know him very well, but yeah. I know you know I know him. He's, he's, he wrote some good songs. He's an Austin guy. He is an Austin guy. There's a lot of great Austin, uh, uh, like, uh, and then Steve Earle's around there. Steve Earle. You know, he's an amazing. Yeah, he did, he was ahead of the curve on taking country a different direction. Sure, I mean he was you know he was a Towns Van Zant, yeah, contemporary. Uh, you know, uh, Towns is a little sad. Guy me. Clark. And, yeah. You know, well, yeah, Towns was sad. It's heavy, man. Like, you know, it's one of those guys because I get like sort of an empathy thing. And if I listen to Towns, like sometimes I can only take so much. It's a heavy heart. It's funny that you get that. I get that too. I can sense somebody's spirit in their music. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like too much. It's hard sometimes. Right. Yeah. Same with Brian Wilson, oddly. Yeah. I well, Brian was a sad, yeah. you know, is, you know, he's had a, a rough time. Yeah. Right? So, and, yeah. And sometimes like people are like the Beach Boys. I'm like, I can't, I can't take it. They're like, what do you, what do you mean? There's certain songs of the Beach Boys that when I listen to, it just brings me to a heavenly place. Yeah. Like um, Warmth of the Sun or, or God Only Knows. There's right. Certain, sure. You know, certain, sure. Like, you know, pet sounds. Right. And, you know. Yeah. That kind of thing. I, I was a, Beach Boys were, even before the Beatles were. Yeah. Uh, or some a band that I really loved. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know. But also like the like, but there's that whole other world. That, like I, I guess I sort of like the whole idea of you know you're being connected to it all because you know country music is is it seems even with the problems of personalities from the from the beginning was a fairly tight community even if even after your dad left Nashville, that there was still a respect that went on. Oh, yes. And, and, and yeah. like, you know, I watched that George Jones miniseries with the, did you watch that, Tammy and George? With the, no. Michael. Oh, my God. Was it good? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. that guy's like, it's it's yeah. it's insane, but like, I don't well, know. Well, he was so loved, but also everybody really felt for him. Yeah. Know, because he was, you know, towards the end of his drinking really got bad yeah it, it, and with her too the public yeah, yeah, yeah the public was in on it yeah and then he had that extra pressure of people wanting him to be fucked up well many country artists have that pressure now even still i think it's less now than then but it is a cultural thing i think that you know i actually think it's getting some of the better. songs are about it well i mean you know, I've got my You've got song, a couple of songs. Alka yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's a new one. Yeah. Uh, was every that on time the last drink, record? That was on, that's on the new record. Uh, alcohol, yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. That's a good you know. tag. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, every time I drink, I think of her. Uh, look, I've been through it. When I was younger, I, you know, I, uh, I went through it. And you thought you needed to, or you just kind of boozy? No, I actually, I didn't drink at all in high school yeah i was doing a lot of psychedelics in yeah. high school i was like i was i was really experimenting <laughs> my days and as a as a teenager yeah. were really actually informative for my soul in was, austin and no it was in hawaii oh, i was so in austin in the early days oh, okay. up until like 10 years old yeah uh and then hawaii the rest of the time so your uh, your whole family's down there He's all down over there? my dad's got a ranch in austin Right, because I go to the barbecue place that, they, that yeah, he yeah. gets from Opie's. Oh yeah, yeah. Opie's is yeah. down down a little further on seventy one. But yeah. I, I I I grew up, 
I was born in Austin, but yeah. I had my first birthday in Hawaii. So I was yeah. going back and forth from Hawaii and Austin as a kid. And so they're not together? Oh, yeah, my parents oh, are together. Okay. But they had those two places. As yeah. soon as I could afford it, uh, after Star is born, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I went and got a place in uh, in Maui of my own that's like 20 minutes from my parents' place. And that's where I live. So that made you, huh? That Star is born got you the bread. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a you know, it was a, it was a, an amazing experience, challenging, uh, but amazing. So did Cooper approach you? How did it work? Yeah. Uh, so actually, Bradley saw me uh, play Desert Trip with Neil. Um, and, uh, and then... I got a call from Billy Gerber, which who was the producer of Star is Born, and said that Bradley wanted to meet. And so I went and met with him and then got hired on from there. As a consultant and as a... a as an authenticity consultant was Because he, he did all right with that. that. I yeah. thought he did all right well, with that. Well, yeah. I mean, and he took, uh, you know, eventually I said, why don't you just, you know, you like this vibe, just take the my band. And so I took, we used my band uh, and we used, you know, everybody was in the, in, you know, in the film, Yeah. but he really, you know, got the mannerisms right. And he really took a lot of Jackson Maine from, I think what he saw in our band. And yeah. It was really cool. Uh, and, uh, and He's he a big used guitar. a lot of, he grew his hair longer and he used a lot of the, the mannerisms that I got on stage yeah. and that Neil has too. And, uh, and he loves Neil. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then, at, during that time, I started writing a lot with her and him, and then we we start. It evolved into a, a musical direction between the three of us with Gaga. Yeah, and so the big hit from that is you got a co-writing credit on that. Well, yeah, I wrote nine songs on that record. Oh my god, and that's the most uh, streamed record, uh, most most streamed soundtrack of all time. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it did great. So got a I house have, in Maui. Got it. Got me a house in Maui. <laughs> I'm really proud of that because it came from hard work. And, yeah, uh, and you know, and and we did, uh, and I and I and I feel very proud of the music that came from it. You know. Yeah, I like the movie, and I thought that like you know that that's another one, almost like a a country song in a way where you know you realize that turn where you realize like he took his entire personality from his brother. You know, yeah. from from Sam Elliott, to, and you realize that Bradley had that he's talking like him, and you oh, don't yeah. you don't really notice it until where it becomes revealed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and kind of fucking genius. He he, Bradley is uh, is that way. I would consider him a genius. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. He and can I, really... I think he he works so hard and he focuses so so completely, uh, and I think that that's uh, you know that's why it was so successful. And I think that that, but what what got me was that. It made me realize that the the world really craves and loves organic music of of like if if you had the same machine behind uh, country music yeah. as you do pop music in yeah. terms of the production and the radio and all that I th and you can see it now uh, Morgan Wallen now has the number one hit uh, overtaking. Miley Cyrus yeah. is the top one of the. So you can see country music was really popular then, is popular now. I mean, Shallow is just my band. I mean, you know, the, 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 that song was the biggest song of whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and that's just me and a guitar playing that riff. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it, I, it, it's, it, it's encouraging to know that the masses, 
do love that music and well, do yeah, gravitate it's, towards it's that part music. of it. It is. It's the. It's at the heart of American music, and but the world too. Sure, and you know, I mean, like the world loves acoustic guitar. The world loves just a piano. The world sure. loves drums. There's a lot of it. different rhythms throughout the yes, world, and there and everybody loves it. And it's and and so it's not completely electronic. It's not. Sure. We have. We still have the the desire as a culture, a human culture to hear these organic instruments. I think that's right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's true. I, I think that, you know, that, that the marketplace doesn't necessarily know how to prioritize it. It does. That's what I'm saying is, yeah. that, is that you have a lot of the machine towards the whatever's new and trendy. Sure. And a lot of the electronics and, the, you know, everybody chases this thing. And a lot of times it's authentic, but a lot of times it's what's hot. We should do that. But what's that, gonna, you know. But that's I, what I like about your guitar playing too, like not unlike Neil, is that... You know, there is a a purity to uh, an electric guitar sound, even if it's like distorted or whatever, that there like there's something more human about that that kind of single coil, yeah, uh, slightly distorted, if not really distorted. It sounds more human. Than 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 almost any other type of electric guitar in a way. Totally. I mean, look, it, it's vo it, I think it's in the fingers. Yeah, I've always felt like it's you know. It's vibrato. Yeah. It's how you how you hit the notes yeah. that really brings the character out. Yeah. The amps are important. Right. The amps are important. Don't get me wrong. The guitar is very important. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to, I mean, the different acoustic guitar sounds are so vast in terms of the Martin and the Taylor and everything. Yeah, so I really, noticed that the night yeah. they, of the party, that the different, different got, like, yeah. it was kind of trippy to me because like, you know, when, when Dave got out there, you know, with his acoustic guitar, it sounded totally different. Yeah. Then, and same with Rodney and you, like, yeah. you know, everyone's acoustic sounded different. And yeah. it wasn't because it was mixed differently. No, it's, well, no, it's just because it's a uh, different guitar. Yeah. Different pickup. Different yeah. wood. Different, different fingers. Different finger, and also different fingers. And that's, I think, you know, like... Billy Gibbons could plug in a little $50 amp. Dude, he sat with me and yeah. played the cigar box guitar. That's what I'm saying. And, and, and he, it's going to sound good. You, it was unbelievable. He played uh, the like uh, some Rye Cooter riff. Uh, it was, I think it was called the, cool. the Ballad of Billy the Kid. Yeah. It's, it was crazy. It was like sitting right there in my other garage. Yeah. He said, I got this little cigar box guitar. Yeah. And, he just, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's Billy Gibbons. Yeah. And, and and you don't need see that's that's where the proof is is that it's in the fingers. The tone is in the fingers, then. I think so. How good a guitar player is that guy? Just, I mean, <laughs> you know, he's one of the only other guitar players yeah. that Hendrix mentioned on live television. I know, I know. He opened for Hendrix in Texas when when Hendrix came through the first time. Yeah. With the band he was in, and they were hanging out. Yeah. And they and I'm like, well, what did, what did Hendrix do? He's like, Hendrix had a, an entire stereo set up in his room in his hotel room, like a full console, and he's just sort of like. Let's go try and figure out what Jeff Beck is doing. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so, so fucking cool. Is that wild? Yeah, yeah. That's wild, but it makes me, just gives me chills and how awesome. It does, right? Because it shows that all he cared about is music. I remember hearing him about, he's like, oh, money. Yeah, money's great, but money, all money is, is, is just a, a, I just put it into the recordings. Yeah. I just, every, every penny I get, I put into making better music. Yeah. And that's all he was. That he was, who, Jimmy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy yeah. was just all about like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm making some money, but look, it's all going into the next record. And he got in a lot, you know, and, yeah. and I, I, you know, the one thing I always forget, because I'm not a musician and you are, is that even as, as short as, as his life may have been, he was out on the road all the fucking time. Yeah. Like, he did hundreds of dates. 
Like he was yeah. out there doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like you, you know, you hear the records, but you don't really realize that's, the hours that he was putting in. That's the one thing that, you know, there's certain things that you take from your heroes and there's certain things you want to leave behind. One thing I don't ever want to do is run myself to the ground. Yeah. And uh, I think that, I think that it's very easy to let people run you into the ground if yeah. you're not careful. Yeah. Because there's, it's always, you know, you have to, you have to tell yourself yeah. to strike while the iron's hot, mm -hmm. right? Oh, you're big right now. You got to go here. You got to do this. You got to do this. Right. This is important. This is sure. a great thing. You got to do. I'll I'll do all that, but I also need nowadays because when I I mean, look, I I've been doing this now 15 years, yeah, uh, and it's only now starting to catch on, right? Which is fine, yeah. But I've learned in those 15 years, and from watching Dad, and from watching a lot of other musicians that. I mean, I used to do 300 shows a year, like, yeah. like Jimmy did. Yeah. It was kind of like, uh, in a way, I look at it like my Hamburg days. Sure. You know, like uh, every musician's got their Hamburg days yeah. where they got to pay their dues and yeah. do, you know. But really, I was running like a wheel on a hamster, playing all these gigs that didn't, uh, like a hamster on a wheel, playing yeah. gigs that didn't necessarily move my needle. Right. But paid us. Right. And, and also it, got you, you know. And it got me hours. Got me hours. Locked, yeah. I, I'm glad I didn't make it back then because yeah. I listened to my music back then. Even like, you know, recent, as recently as six, seven years ago, I listened to recordings and I say, wow, I'm glad. I'm, I'm just always looking forward is all. Well, I'm but it's, all, it's interesting though because you listen to the old records and not unlike <clears throat> people of your generation, whether it be who we're talking about, Billy or, or Sturgill Simpson or whatever, that. Yeah. You know, you, you knew where you were coming from and you might have known where you were going, but you just weren't there yet. And it, totally. And and it was I think it took you, it seems a little while to really kind of ground yourself in country. Well, I, I had to remember at a certain point my roots. Yeah. Who I am. Right. Why I'm doing this, what you know, what I'm grateful for. Count my blessings in a way. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and also it seems like you've been playing with the same guys, right? Same guys, yeah, for a long time. And it seems like that is a is is it's a it's a tricky thing to do, you know. Uh, that's to, what I'm most proud of to keep a band together. That's honestly, yeah. And you know, we've been through our ups and downs, yeah. And we all have our we we have the freedom to do our own projects, sure. and do our own thing, which is a great thing, yeah. But to have the same brothers, yeah. out there with, that's why I started in the first place that that was the starry-eyed dream that was the idea go out make a living playing music with your friends having fun on the road yeah. the life i love is making music with my friends can't yeah. wait to get on the road again yeah you know this is i want to go out and have a good time basically i think of us as you know and this might be a little dark but we're kind of like the fiddlers on the titanic yeah you know what I mean? Sure. We're watching the world burn. Yeah. And what better way than to play a little music and make people, yeah. you know, at least give some sort of relief to the anxiety of watching the Titanic sink at, yeah. you know, at an alarming rate. Yeah. You know, with bulb temperatures, and, you know, everything, you know, whatever's sure. happening, shootings and yeah. political. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty down the middle of the road politically, but, yeah. but what I, I don't like seeing is, uh, is people not accepting others as human beings sure. and being so 
such full full of vitriol and anger yeah. you know and and what i love about music is it it's a one place where you can go and connect with people that you might otherwise not connect with yeah and that's a beautiful thing i think that's what saved us back in 1960s yeah during the time of the of of those that political unrest mm -hmm. When my, my dad was was at the time credited for bringing the hippies and the cowboys together in Austin. In Austin, yeah. I mean, those picnics that he had. And he made a lot of cowboys hippies. And he made a lot of cowboys <laughs> hippies, and 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 it's true. And you know, the thing about it is, is that I think I feel it. I feel it happening again. There's a place where we all connect. I hope so. And I think that music is a, is is a. a is a tool that you can use and not when you're just drilling up a message in someone's head, but when you're just saying, I, f I have a heart, right? These are human songs. I have a heart. I sing about my heart. Yeah. And when you can sing about your heart and then someone else is listening, they remember, Oh, I have a heart too. Totally. It's like that song we were talking. It's like, you know, she stopped loving him today. Yeah. He stopped loving her today. I tell you, man, you know, like I listened to it a lot to try to figure out if I could play it, and I did. You know, it was neither here nor there. But every time I listen to that song, yeah, I get choked up. Yeah, and every time I listen to "Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain," I get choked up. Yeah, it was a great. Fred Rose wrote that song. It was a beautiful song. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, obviously, Dad made it um, a big hit, uh, which is funny because it's a it's a very slow song. I mean, what a song to be a, a hit like that. But it's one of those songs where you, like, you know, whatever you're going to bring to it, that, you know, where are they meeting? Yeah. You know. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's this transcendent. Up yonder somewhere. Up yonder somewhere. <laughs> Someday, somewhere. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, 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 yes, you're right. And there is that place where we all meet. Yeah. And that's, I think, where music takes us. And so, you know, uh, it's, it's. If we're not afraid to to to, to be, uh, I think you know, comedians are vulnerable. Sure. Sometimes, yeah. I guess you can use comedy as a as a as a protective layer. As I well. think that's the uh, innate found. That's where it comes from. Is it the protective layer? Well, it's just sort of like you know, I you know, I can I can disarm the situation. Yeah, but you know what? It's the most important thing in the world right now. Yeah. Is to be able to disarm the situation. Sure, you know, and to to approach vulnerability. That, yeah, yeah I, I think so. I'm not sure in my business that that that's the agenda uh, of everybody, but it, it definitely happens. I don't think it needs to be an agenda. I think yeah. it happens naturally, and especially if you're not trying. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're just being like George Carlin's one of my favorites. Yeah. Obviously, he's probably sure. one of your yeah, favorite, like him. Yeah, you know, or you know, you do or you don't. But there's, yeah. there's oh yeah, he's great. You know that, but he had so many amazing observations that he was able to bring to people and make them laugh about it and it yeah. just completely disarms also, the resistance towards a new way of thinking right and also make people see things differently yeah i, I think he was very good at yeah, that yeah it's amazing so when you like do you uh run songs by willie well when we write together yeah you have you written yeah, a lot together we've written quite a lot together and we love writing together yeah a lot of times i'll run songs by him that will cover too like uh, you know the last uh, one of the great covers that we did together that i'm super proud of uh, yeah i was listening to a lot of pearl jam and i oh, yeah. and i listened to this song called just breathe which was um from their album backspacers uh -huh. a long time ago and dad and i covered it and it became this whole new thing a father-son thing um because just breathe is is something dad would always tell me is like 
you know. Yeah. He's, it's a very Zen kind of advice that he'd give me. And, and so I thought of him when I heard this song. Yeah. And so when we covered that together, that was special. But And then I, I, I've been listening to a lot of Dean Martin, as like I told you earlier. And, yeah. And uh, there's a, a song that Dean Martin and Ricky Nelson did on uh, Rio Bravo. Uh, I think it's... Uh, my rifle, my pony, and yeah, oh yeah, and that'd be a great one for a dad and I to do together. Well, so sometimes the, I, you know, I'll come up with a song like that and say, "Hey, let's go record this." You know? Yeah, and you do it. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, does you, you got a set up at the house? Well, we got we got a studio in Austin, and then yeah. we've got um, you know, places in Nashville we could do it. You know? uh, but also that the album you did of all the country covers was great with you and your brother and and. Willie. Yeah, yeah. With the, all the Hank Williams tunes. And oh, things. yeah. That, you know, we... And then there was a George Harrison song thrown in there um, that we did, All Things Must Pass. Yeah. But it's interesting that his... He's one of those guys, not not unlike George Jones, and is that, like, I could tell when you on that record when you're all singing together that not unlike you said about his guitar playing is that you don't know where he's going to go vocally really oh no he's a jazzy guy <laughs> yeah you know? yeah it's crazy he he's a his phrasing is brilliant yeah though. like it it really is sinatra level yeah of of sure. phrasing and so you have to just hold down the rhythm <laughs> you don't follow him let me yeah, just yeah, say yeah, yeah. Yeah. now uh, before we go i gotta ask uh yeah how is it with uh, keith richards oh i love keith richards what right, do you mean but, like well he showed up at, like i was so thrilled because i got tickets yeah, to that. yeah yeah that you came the right day then that's right yeah because mm -hmm. uh and i got him like the day before i just happened to you know reach out to like whatever few connections i have and the the promoter is a fan of mine, uh -huh. and the guy I reached out to at Live Nation, well, whatever, the guy's like, oh, you got to come. Keith is going to be here. I'm like, what? Right. So, like, how was it? Uh, you were on stage with him. Oh, yeah, you? yeah, well, yeah. How was that, playing well, with him? it was beautiful. It was yeah. beautiful. My band has opened for them uh, a couple of times. For the Stones? Yeah. Uh, we did a giant stadium, and then we did that Seattle Seahawks stadium. Oh, yeah? And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, they were always so sweet. And that was back when Charlie was still around, which was, I was just so grateful we get we got to, oh, speaking of, you got a big yeah, Rolling the, Stones the poster Altamont right poster, here. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, it's funny, Keith was there, and he was, for a long time they were saying they were he was going to do Dead Flowers. Yeah. And they were going to do Dead Flowers together. Yeah. But they ended up doing uh, uh, Live Forever. Yeah. Which was a great, I mean, I, that was, you know. Yeah. And the way they did, I mean, it was so, that one made me choke up. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the two of them. Yeah, that was, that was special. My brother was there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really nice. Well, not unlike Neil, I think Keith is really settled into quite, quite the uh, raconteur and funny guy. Like, he just seems like he's having the best time of his life right now. You know, I think you're right. I think he it's, is. Well, it, 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 there's a great song that Dad and Merle did together uh, on their record before Merle passed uh, called Django and Jimmy, that, that record. And the song is called uh, Live This Long. And there's <laughs> a great line. Yeah. Is it, we'd have taken much better care of ourselves if we'd have known we was going to live this long. <laughs> It's a great line. I mean, you know, come on. What yeah, a great yeah. line. Whose song is that? Oh, you know, I don't know who wrote it. Maybe they wrote it. Yeah. It's wild about country music is that, like, you know, these they're these guys who write those songs. 
Yeah. Like, I think I learned more about that watching that George and Tammy thing, that there's this whole world of guys just trying to get songs to Willie Nelson or George Jones. Or sure, Merle. sure. Well, a lot of, and, and, and uh, one of the coolest things in country music recently was, uh, I think, uh, Luke Combs covered and had a number one hit with uh, Tracy Chapman's song called Fast Car. It's a great song. He's got a fast car. Yeah. And, the, and, and Luke Combs is a big country star. And now she's got, she's the sole writer on that song. Yeah. A lot of times in country now, there's five writers on one song. Right. That's it seems with all music now. It's, it's and the five way, producers. And the five producers, and it's a team effort. Now. Yeah. But to have a, a number one country song with the way country music is going right now. Yeah. As Tracy Chapman, yeah. you gotta be going. Oh man! Yeah, that's great. Progress. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. She made a little change off of that. Oh publishing. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, that's... Well, who produced this new one? We did. You did. Yeah, we produced. We got a great uh, Billy Centenaro as the uh, produ as the engineer. Yeah. And uh, we got a great engineer, and we did it at that studio that the Wilburys. Uh, oh, out here. Out here, and uh, and uh, it was great. Um, you know, I I knew what we wanted. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew the sound we were going for. And the band was into it. And the band was into it. And we we arranged it and uh, and got it together. And I had all the songs, and it didn't take long. And do you find? Uh, are you pulling in? Like, what what is the fan base? Are you, are you getting the old country people? Oh yeah, we yeah. Got, yeah. Well, for a long time it was only those people, <laughs> and now now it's getting to be you know. Now it's getting to be a lot of younger people, and uh, you know, people my age at least. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and 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 uh, you know, we welcome all. Yeah, of course, <laughs> you know? of course. Well, it was great talking to you. Yeah, man. you too. Thanks for doing it. Hey, thank you. Okay, that was wasn't that that was that was a that was a very pleasant conversation and very full. Uh, the album, again, Sticks and Stones, is available Friday, July 14th, wherever you get music. Hang out for a minute, will you? Folks, three years ago this week, we were still isolated during the pandemic, but that didn't stop me from talking with Jerry Seinfeld for the first time ever on episode 1129. There's nothing harder than getting a laugh. Okay. There are other things you can do on yeah. stage, but that's the hardest thing. So if you want to do the hardest thing, that's it. Have you said that before? No. <laughs> um, and I and, and I and I totally accept and approve of people doing whatever the hell you want. I get it. I comedy is when you go to the uh, the music store and you buy a guitar. The cash the guy at the cash register doesn't tell you what to do with it. Right. No, you do I do whatever you want with it. That's right. And and so people that's do. what I think about comedy. Do whatever you want with it. So if that's what you like to do, I'm for that. <laughs> but, but but I like to do the other thing. That's what I like to do. The, the funny thing. I like the laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I like to hear it. I, I, I think I, we all. I, do you know I, any comics? I want to hear, hear that laugh. I can't. I love it. Do you know a lot of comics that don't like the laugh? Uh, no, I don't know any comics that don't like the laugh, but there are comics that will tell you, and I'm sure you're one of them, that there are other interesting things <laughs> that you can do. And that's where we're going to part ways. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
think the laugh is very important, but I do. I don't mind a, like a laugh that could be crying. There's a fine line between that laugh of like, oh God, I don't mind that laugh. It's a different type of laugh. Yeah, yeah. As long as there's a laugh, I don't okay. care. What, you know, as long as there's a laugh. All right. So <laughs> you knew this I, was going to happen, right? When we talked. Kinda. Well, I mean, I, but, but so you do, but you do have a sense of who I am. I think so. Yeah. From Tom Papa. He's told me about you. (laughs) (laughs) Again, that's episode 1129, Jerry Seinfeld, and that's available for free right now in whatever podcast app you're using. You can also get all WTF episodes ad free. If you sign up for WTF plus, just go to the link in the episode description or go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF plus. All right, here we go. I might use a classic guitar piece because, uh, I got, I, I don't have time right now, but you, you won't know the difference, will you? So I'm not even going to say now, I mean, this might be new, might not be. Monkey, La Fonda, Cat Angels Everywhere. (laughs) 